My name's Chad, uh, one of the pastors here. I want to say welcome also to those who are watching online. It's a joy to be together. It's really an honor to do this. We're going to be in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 12. If you have a copy of God's Word, whether that's on your phone or a hard copy, go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to be uh, reading a couple of verses that uh, Joe finished with last week. And the reason is because we're telling the same story and there's a lot of overlap. Um, but it's also, it's a joy because we, a lot of times on staff, when we're talking about what we're going to be preaching, we're talking through these things. And I encourage you, if you missed last week, to listen to it. I felt like I was sitting at the table with Jesus as he was talking to these people and that Joe was kind of there in the corner just going, <laughs> did you hear what he said? Like, that's, that's how I felt. I was like, you put me at the table with the Lord. And so... He talks about how not to win souls. I want to encourage you to jump in there. Uh, I want to pray for us as we get going this morning, but we need each other. We need, uh, you know, even as I was talking about Joe, Joe is my pastor. Uh, if you've wondered that, like he's the one I go into his office when I want to talk about some things and I need prayer, need encouragement. And so we need each other. We need the Lord to move and work in us. And so I want to ask him once again, just to use this time and our time in his word to do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this story, this most important story in the world. And we just, right now, even as a simple act of faith, even as we pray corporately together, we affirm that. Lord, we say we believe that this story, this gospel story from your word is the most important story in the world. Jesus, we um, affirm that you are the most important person in this room this morning. And Lord, we know we've heard it uh, we've seen it on signs at football games that you love us, but we would love to experience your love firsthand this morning. And we ask that you would use uh, our time in your word. Lord, you've already been using the worship, even in my own heart, uh, just to draw me in. But God, would you use our time in your word uh, just to, to seal it, Lord, to take us closer. Uh, we bless you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. So Luke chapter 12 you want to turn there? Uh, I'm going to begin with something a little unusual. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I shared an illustration about Kobe Bryant. And the point of the illustration was to talk about that him, he is now in eternity and that he would have words to say to us about what is important. That part of the story I stand by. Uh, I had someone graciously email me and say, you said something in the way you shared that, that I don't think you intended but could be hurtful. And as soon as I read the email, I was like, Lord, oh my goodness. And I just right away, because what I said was, and I was talking about Kobe Bryant's faith and the evidence of that faith and could we see it in this life? And I shared that he had been falsely accused of sexual harassment and one word that if I had read just one more article, I could have seen the whole truth. Because if you read just a couple of stories, you see that that word falsely is incorrect, that there was a settlement. There were words from Kobe afterwards about the young woman. And so this email to me was gracious in that it said, someone may feel unsafe to come forward with their own hurt or their own fact that something's happened to them. And so I said it to them in my email and I'm gonna say it to you, I am sorry. That was incorrect and I messed up and I should have sourced my story better 
especially if I am sharing it with you. And even if you say that in private to somebody, you wanna make sure that you're telling the whole truth. And one, to say also, this is a safe place uh, for you to share those things with the right people and to come forward. It takes a lot of courage and everybody knows about Kobe and a lot of stuff that's said about the woman is, oh, well, she's, you know, just there's stuff online and it's, it's incorrect and it's, it's not okay. And so I wanted to offer my apology for that, but also to say, as I tell my kids, I tell our staff, it's not about being perfect. It's about owning it when you're not. And so I'm owning it. And ironically, the Lord has us in a passage this morning because I could have said, ah, just a misunderstanding, just a little thing. Just, I mean, you misunderstood. I didn't mean that. You're right. I didn't mean that. So let's move on. But I know the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. And he was heavy on my heart and strong to say something and to own it and to, and so I want to do that and I want us to move forward. And as we listen to the passage today, as you hear it, Jesus is going to talk about a little thing that you could say, ah, it's not really that big of a deal, is it? Can we just kind of move along? Let me show you what I mean. Luke 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. Luke is trying to give you a vivid picture that things are getting wild when it comes to Jesus showing up in a town. People are climbing over each other, trying to hang out with him. They're trampling each other. He began to say to his disciples first. So here's what's happening out there. He steps aside and he goes, hey, I gotta, I gotta tell you something. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Yeast is another word for leaven which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetop. So with this buzz of Jesus in a town, if you're a part of this movement and the disciples who maybe, hey, I was just a fisherman. I was slugging it out, trying to get work every day, or I was doing this. I was a tax collector. People hated me. Now you're with this guy and he's drawing thousands and people are lining up. You're popular. This is a popular movement. You got the disciples who are like, this is awesome. We're bigger than the Beatles and Elvis and everything. Jesus says, we're going to take this thing all the way to Rome. This is going to be awesome. And he kind of is looking inside always to our hearts and to our thoughts. And sometimes to even thoughts that we haven't quite formed yet. He knows where you're going to go with that one. Even if you cut it off, he's like, I know where you were going with that. I could tell you the whole conversation, but you stopped it. Like that's how intimately he knows us. And so he steps in and he says, hey, I need to tell you some stuff because I know your hearts. I know what the kinds of things that will be attractive to you. So he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. But hypocrisy is just the window into what he's describing as the leaven of the Pharisees, the yeast of the Pharisees. He's trying to say something about their whole way of understanding the Bible. They're teaching. Beware of the way they interpret my words. Look out, but it's the Bible. I mean, if it's the Bible, shouldn't it just be, how can you go wrong? Can't you just like share the Bible straight up and that'll do it? Jesus would say, no, this is precisely why it's so dangerous. Well, what do you mean? 
I mean, what, what happens? Well, when there are wrong interpretations of the Bible, things like the crusades happen. Things like a master standing in front of his own slaves and saying, let me read a few verses for you of why you need to respect me today. Oh, things like, anybody remember a guy named David Koresh? Branch Davidians, Waco, Texas. Other things that can be twisted and turned all because of the yeast of that teaching, the way. Now, hypocrite is a word a lot of people have heard. A lot of, maybe you've heard this one too. Uh, I don't want to go to that church, a bunch of hypocrites. In which we'd be like, well, yeah, that's why I go there. <laughs> I mean, I am one for sure. So there's the good side of that where we admit it, but hypocrite means to be an actor. It's a stage player. That's where the word comes from. It means to interpret from underneath. Underneath what? A mask. It's not the real you. So ask the question to yourself. Am I an actor? Is, is there any part of me, the tiniest leaven yeast side? Yeast is a microorganism. It's like, it's kind of crazy if you think about it because regular flour and water and salt, you put it together and you let it sit in a room, it will actually rise on its own. You know why? Because yeast is a microorganism that's found in the air, which kind of makes you gross out a little bit. You're like, what? Yeah, it will, it'll rise. So it's this thing you can't even see. Am I just, is there a little tiny part of me that is an actor that's faking this morning, this whole thing? What did I leave behind? What did I, what am I covering up? What is in dark places in my life? What is secret? What do I think is private? And now here I am and I've put on my nice face and clothes, my mask. Who are you really underneath that mask? What a question for our time when we are all wearing masks. Whether you like it or not, whether you have all these thoughts about if it's a conspiracy and all this kind of stuff, it's the mark of the beast and you know, whatever. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Either way, we're wearing masks, aren't we? And is it fun to talk to somebody through a mask? No. no. I'm, I, I hate the masks so much that I don't even wash them. I just buy another one. Like I can't even stand, I just like, I don't even want to see that one. I'm so tired of it. Let's just get another one. And some of them I probably should wash. Like it's like, man, okay. We don't like it. It's not the way, you can't tell what somebody's thinking you know, now we've all just given up on gum and mints because nobody can smell our breath anyway anymore, <laughs> right? You're like, well, I'm sure the gum and mint companies have lost money during the mask season because nobody's worried about that anymore. But are we interacting spiritually through a mask is, is a question for us. Could it be that the Lord is allowing a living illustration for the whole world to maybe show us what it's like when we interact and we're fake? I listen to the Lord when I study. And so I am not your traditional go sit down for three hours, read, write, come out with a sermon. There's a lot of that, but there's also when I'm lying in bed at night and I can't sleep. Like even last night, like I'm laying there and I'm going through points in my head. I'm like, no, oh, what about that, Lord? No, 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 help me with this. I rollerblade and walk. So sometimes going around the lake, there's a lot of thoughts and a lot of prayers and I'm thinking through things. I hear songs, songs come to, I think of artwork. I think of other stories and movies and books. And it's just this conversation that's happening with Jesus. So I'm thinking about these things. And so as I thought about this first few verses of Jesus saying, you know, don't be 
given to the leaven of the Pharisees, hypocrisy, I thought of the first musical I ever went to in college in Chicago, Phantom of the Opera. And the song I heard was this, masquerade, paper faces on parade. If you don't know Phantom of the Opera, I encourage you to watch it. It's, uh, you can, uh, there's a movie version where you can actually hear the music. Um, fabulous Andrew Lloyd Webber. Man, I'll, I'll listen to any of his stuff. But it's interesting because the song is, it's an, a beautiful piece in the middle of the musical. And some of the lyrics say this, masquerade, paper faces on parade, masquerade, hide your face so the world will never find you. If you look up, and this is me and I'm weird when I do this kind of stuff, I was like, masquerade balls, where did those come from? And so I look it up and sure enough, it was something that was invented so that people could come together, rich, poor, and nobody would know who was who. And you have masks on, you can hide, we can party, we can do whatever we want, we can go home and no one will ever know that we were doing that. And so it's in the middle of this musical, but the main character, one of the main characters, the Phantom, is this guy. And, if, and this is how my mind works too. I thought of another movie while I was thinking about the musical where they mentioned Phantom of the Opera and it's Billy Crystal with Deborah Winger, Forget Paris. And they're talking about, they've just gone to this musical and they're in the car and he's like in a classic Billy Crystal way. I don't get it. I don't know why everybody loves this thing. He goes, it's just a guy singing with a broken dish on his face. You know, and, and he's singing that song. Everybody knows that song. Da, 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 da. He's like, school days, school days, all oh, the golden rule days, which isn't what it is. But so that's how my mind works. So the guy with the broken dish on his face, if I lost you with the classical stuff, now we're back in your world. So the guy with the broken dish on his face is a fake. He is really, and he's super talented, very creative, kind of this guy behind the scenes, always doing things, but he's a murderer. He has a rage in him, but he has a problem. And then he loves this young girl, Christine, who sings. He's taken by her. And so the mask is his way. It's one of the themes of the musical to hide, to present a different picture of who he is. So Jesus looks at us and he says, I see your paper face. I see everything. It's all clear to me. And I think he would say to us, look, this was the first thing they tried, Adam and Eve. They hid. The first response to sin is to hide from it. I'm used to it. I see you anyway. And we say, well, but I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's just, I'm only a hypocrite just a little bit. And Jesus would say, that's all it takes to invade your whole person. So hypocrisy happens when there's a part of you hidden. You may say, it's just a part. The problem is, it just so happens that the real you is the one that's hiding. That's the, in living color, the person that is really behind the mask. So it's also the leaven of the Pharisees is more than just hiding though. It's their way of teaching. What was their way of teaching as a relationship to God and, and to others living according to their way, legalistic, ritualistic, no grace. So what might it look like to be somebody who's not aware or not giving in to the Lord's call or maybe a little prone to be a Pharisee? Well, let me tell you, I have lots of experience being a Pharisee. I have lots of experience. So what are some of the things? You like to raise the bar for others after you've already made it. 
And so you come to Christ and maybe you were such a tool and the Lord finally got you, you get in and then you get in there and then all of a sudden you start looking at it and you make higher calling, different rules. You better, you better, or no, you have to, you raise the bar. And in the process, you miss the heart of God for people who don't know him. And then you're, you have a tendency to kind of circle the wagons and only want to be around the people who are doing it like you. You miss God's heart. You like to rest on past experiences of walking with the Lord, but there's no current tenderness or movement in your heart. What do I mean? Can you be corrected today? Can you learn something today? And here's the real kicker. If you're somebody that's been walking with Jesus for 30 years and a high school student comes up to you and they're like three months old in their faith and they call you out on something, can you respond? Scripture says you should. You should be able to. Is there current tenderness? Is there current movement? You think if you're also prone to be a Pharisee, and again, I'm using myself as the primary example, I'm prone to this. You think that religious activity, attendance to church, giving, prayer, Bible study is the same thing as relationship with God. It isn't. Jesus tells us plainly, you could be doing all those things and get to the end and I can say, I didn't know you. You also might be tempted to take the safe path, the cultural acceptance, least resistance path when it comes to being a Christian. I don't wanna make any waves. You may even be a Bible scholar, but its effect on you is selective. It doesn't really change you, but you know the Bible. It's important to hear Jesus and why he talks about this and how he talks about it. I've said this so many times and I'm gonna keep saying it until somebody says you're not allowed anymore, which I don't know who that would be, but I'm gonna keep saying it. Um, Satan doesn't show up with a pitchfork, horns, and a red suit and go, ah, I'm here to get you. Jesus says, it is subtle. It's small. It's like yeast. It's like leaven. Easy to let it happen. And you could say, well, I'm not really giving into that thing. But you also wouldn't realize that inactivity is the same as giving into it because you're already bent to that. Your inactivity isn't neutrality, it's opposition. You're bent to rebel against the king. So do nothing and you're doing something. That's pretty much what Jesus said. Like if you don't do something about this, actively recognize it, move against it, you're doing something. You're going the other direction. Well, but I'm afraid of what people may think what they might do to me. It's easier just to let it go, not make waves. I mean, is it wrong just to be one of the quiet Christians? Can I just, you know, ride this thing out, not get involved in difficult tasks, difficult conversations? Jesus says, no, <laughs> you can't. What you say in the dark will be spoken in the light out loud. Think about this, what you've whispered in private rooms, what you thought the private room of your head would be proclaimed on the rooftops. He knows all your secrets, all your secrets. Even when the lights are off and the doors are locked and the windows are closed, curtains drawn, I'm by myself. Nobody can see me or hear me. Jesus isn't here, right? I'm alone, just me. And in the quietness of that place, you'll hear him. Boo, I'm right here. I'm right here, everything. So, Okay, Lord, fine. 
I'll beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. I'll try not to be legalistic. I'll try to do better about sharing my stuff. Are we done? Can we be done? And Jesus would say, no, (laughs) no, we're going to go. We're going to push in even harder because think about this. What's the point of being a hypocrite? Are you a hypocrite by yourself? It's always somebody on the other end. Hypocrisy is for someone else. It's for someone else to look at you and go, oh, wow, look at that person. Look at the way they're living. There's so many, always somebody on the receiving end of your hypocrisy. And usually it's to keep somebody's eyes off of you. It's the kid in the classroom who didn't read or didn't study. And the teacher starts asking questions and they're like, don't call on me, don't call on me, don't call on me. And if you're smart and you're trying like me, when you're, you know, even if you didn't read, you're like, I'm gonna raise my hand first and say what I do know. So then I get out of any other questions. Jesus is like, don't be that, like go there completely, be the authentic you. How can I fake my way through this, Lord? Because people can do things to me. So I need to keep them off my back. I'm afraid of what they might do. So I'm just going to lie low. Stay out of any kind of controversy. So Jesus says, all right, well, let's, let's go there. Verse four, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Now we're talking about people killing me. Right away, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. (gasps) He said that, okay. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. First thing I want you to notice is he says, I tell you, my friends, my friends, true friends tell you the truth. He's not gonna mess around or not tell you. True friends tell you the truth and they tell you difficult things. Jesus violates those rules about don't talk politics or religion and just jumps right in there wades right past all pretense through the expectations and ought to's and should's of the day. He just goes there. And he says, friends, I want to warn you. You're afraid of what might happen to you if you follow me wholeheartedly. You're afraid. Well, what's the worst thing they can do? Kill you? You're like, yeah. He's like, so? They can kill your body, but they can't kill you. It's a really important part of understanding God and what he has promised. Resurrection means nobody dies. Everybody's resurrected. Some to eternal life with him, some to eternal separation with him. They can kill your body, but they can't kill you. Do you want to know who, whom you should fear? And he says, me, me, Because I have the power, and this is a difficult thing, but look at what he says. Fear him who after he has killed. You could have used a little more tact with how you said that, Jesus. What is he saying? Think of some of the Psalms. All the days ordained for me, are they not written in your book? He decides the start date. He decides the end date. And I know there's lots of discussions and things that we can't completely understand, but that's what scripture says. 
Nothing's a surprise. The Lord is the one who decides. So after he has killed, has authority to cast you into hell. And I can imagine the disciples standing there, eyes widening and one of them going, he said, he said hell. He said that, he said hell. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. It's common thought that people think, oh, Jesus didn't talk about hell. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven in vivid detail of what it was like. And don't buy current modern interpretations on hell, which by the way, just happened to be coming right on time when the world has had enough of the old version of God. And they say, you know, after thousands of years, people were so dumb and we finally understand what the Bible means when it talks about hell. It's just symbolic. It's just symbolic. Don't buy it. Jesus says, my friends, I warn you and I'm not warning you about symbolism, something real. You know, what do we do when we're warned by a credible threat? Anybody hear the sirens that go off? They're over here somewhere. The test, they test them on Wednesdays, right? It's like, and we all kind of sit around and wait till it's done. If we're in a meeting or whatever, it's like, what is that? Oh yeah, it's the test, which makes you kind of wonder, will we ever pay attention if it really happens? But so they do, we prepare. And if there's a real threat, if something's happening, fact was in a couple of months ago with tornadoes a few months ago and we actually all kind of you know you go in the basement for a little bit all right seems to pass I think it landed the stories go crazy it landed over and so and so no you know but in this room if there was a threat and by the way we're prepared for that as best we can we do have a security team we've talked through these things stinks that we have to be but we are in our day and age if there's a an active shooter or something like that in our congregation are we going to react yeah we're going to get down. We're going to, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's probably going to happen. Instinctively, you know, to do that. Why would you ignore the creator of the universe when he warns you about something that might happen to you? Why would we do that? You may say, well, I'm a pretty good person. Why are you warning me, Jesus? Because you aren't born with a clean slate and the ability to determine where you get to go. You're born carrying a ticket to hell. You already have a ticket to the H place. Let that one, put that one in your pipe and smoke it for a minute. It's pretty intense, isn't it? But it's not unbiblical. It's exactly what scripture says. Imagine a brand new baby, clean, soft, a whole life ahead of them. What does the Bible tell us about where that baby's heart will go as it deals with sin? Psalm 51 says, surely I was born in sin. And you see it when you got our little ones, when you got them on the changing table, it was years ago, but it's, it doesn't take long for a baby. You're changing them. They're like, oh, you're so cute. And all of a sudden they're like, Bleh. they stiffen their legs and arms. And you know, so, so our kiddos used to do that, like, make this face like, you are not going to change me right now. <laughs> and you're like, wow, you are such a little sinner. <laughs> it just, it happens. And the reason is scripture tells us you're born to make those decisions. Now I'm not going to get into because we could go there theologically, age of accountability, what happens to babies that die in infancy, what happens to those who have disabilities. We can't, we won't go there. And I could talk to you later about what I think about those things. But ultimately, I don't think I have to convince you that every single person on the planet will choose sin every day and twice on Sundays. We'll do it. We are bent in that direction. Jesus knows that. 
And so he warns because he sees you are headed that way anyway. And I'm the one who determines whether or not to at the end of your life on earth, as you transition into eternity to say, okay, never did anything about that ticket. It's still punched. You're still going. You rightly deserve this. And you know what's crazy? You won't be standing there be going, unfair! You will say, you do all things well. Perfect. You're perfect in all your ways. And so Jesus says, look, I'm going to be the judge presiding over your trial. I'm warning you, don't be afraid of the people who can kill your body. Be afraid of me. Be afraid of me. But I'm afraid of those people. I don't like what Christianity brings about in this 2021 world. I don't like the effects of it, how they can hurt me. They can ostracize me, cancel me. I don't like that. Notice Jesus doesn't say, oh, it's okay. Hang in there. It'll be all right. We'll work through it. What does he say? Well, then let's talk about hell. That's my best word for you. Let's talk about hell. But he also does something beautiful that only Jesus can do. He says, I want to talk to you about being cast into hell and how I love little birds. What? He combines in the same conversation, the fires of hell with little birds and how he cares about them very much. And he says, these sparrows, which you could buy five sparrows for about two pennies, they're worth, they were literally worthless. And Jesus says, you are worth so much more. And yet I care about these, what even you think are worthless. The very hairs of your head are numbered. Hairs, hair, the hair, hair, collective hair, the hair, I don't know, grammar, somebody. The hairs are numbered. So I am weird this way. And this week I looked up, because I don't know how many hairs are on a human head. I don't know if you know this too. The average head will hold about 100,000 hairs. Blonde people have 150,000. Brown, 110,000. And redheads have 90,000. And some of you have a lot less than that. <laughs> so I tried this little experiment of counting, not hairs, but just because I was looking at like, how, how long would it take to count to 100,000? If I was going to number the hairs of my head, it'd be a little difficult with a mirror, but how long would it take for me to do that? And so I did a little experiment where I counted to 100 as fast as I could, 34 seconds. So if you do math, and math is hard, but phones are great. But if you do math, <laughs> even if you give yourself some breaks, even if like I got a water break and you know, as you get higher in the numbers, the numbers get harder to say, they surely get harder to say faster. It would take you two very long days to count to 100,000. And Jesus says, yeah, I got them numbered and I probably has them named Every person on the planet, your hairs are numbered. So what do we do with that? Why is he going from hell to birds and hair? How is he combining those two? Here it is. If someone knows you that intimately, cares for you that much, tells you how much your life is worth, what value you have in his sight, and then says... Hey, how about you follow me and don't fake it. Don't hide. Don't say one thing in public and then another in private. 
or don't say something and think something else. I know the number of hairs on your head. I love you. You should trust me when I talk about things like hell. That's what he's saying. Only Jesus can do that. Where we, and he says, fear me. But here's a problem with the word fear. It doesn't mean what you think it means. We think fear and we think, ah, don't hurt me. Fear in the Bible many times is awe or worship. So then let's do a little reverse thinking about the other statement. Don't fear those who can kill the body. Same thing. Don't just think of this kind of fear. Think of you are actually worshiping them or what they think, also known as idolatry, when you give in to those thoughts rather than worshiping God. Jesus is saying, direct your worship in the right place. Because if you know me, dying won't be a big deal because you'll be with me. So just to sum up those few verses before we get to the last few you could not have a clearer call from Jesus to think about your eternal destination. Anybody that would tell you like, that's not in the Bible, like God talking about sin and eternal destinies, whatever, man, just even these few verses in Luke 12 are enough to say, uh, I think he's pretty clear right there. The call on our lives, on our life, the judge himself in a very Bible gospel way is offering to take your place, has taken your place, if you will accept it, has paid your debt and says, you wanna be afraid of people who are mad at you for believing in me and following me? And if I could paraphrase Jesus, I think he would say, come on, worship me. I have the authority to cast you rightfully into hell, but I really want you with me. Believe what I'm saying. And I know that may offend your American Western 21st century sensibilities. Get over it. I think that's what he would say to us. Get over it. This is life and death stuff. Jesus has been, I've told you, he crank, he's been cranking up the intensity as we keep going in the gospel because he's about to be killed. And he wants them to know what's what. Wants them to hear his heart. So he's on a roll a little bit. He's kind of moving away from speaking in parables. People are like, whoa, I got that one. <laughs> A lot of times they listen to him. They're like, I have no idea what he said. Uh, yeah, hell, birds, hair, check. I get it. I understand. And so he's like, well, I'm on a roll and I'm speaking straight. And so let me just tell you one more thing. Verse eight, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the son of man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God some gulps around the room there. Everyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. We'll go there in a minute. Some confusion on that passage. Verse 11, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities and your friends and your school and your workplace and your family and social media, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. The Holy Spirit will teach you not in 120 characters or less, but the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Every one of the disciples, and if we have ears to hear this morning, knows exactly what he is saying right here. There's no doubt. There's no mystery. There's no parable. Apart from the question about the unforgivable sin, we're going to talk about that one. But what is he saying? Acknowledge Jesus? Anybody? Deny Jesus? Anybody? 
consequences for either one of those choices. And so here's our question. Have you spoken for or against Jesus with your life? I love this statue. Kind of think about Jesus over the world, judging the world. Daryl Bach is the author of one of the commentaries that I read, NIV Application Commentary. If you're looking for something to go a little deeper, I really like the way they do stuff in there. But he said this, and it was actually a question from when he was a kid. He used to be in Young Life. And they used to ask this question. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be evidence to convict you? So let's think about Chad. Is that guy a Christian? What evidence do we have? to condemn him for being a Christian. Well, he preaches. Is that enough? Nope. In this church, we know that's not enough, don't we? You can fake it all day long. It's about who I am in the private rooms of my head and heart. It's about the Lord working on me. And I want to tell you right now, he is doing some working on me on some things and difficult things, or, but I know it's his voice. It's about who I, how am I responding? So a few weeks ago, reading in my Bible in one year app, which just happens to have the scriptures laid out in a certain way. And many times it's very applicable to what I'm thinking about that day. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Deuteronomy 10 popped up and here's what it said. And just think about what's happening right now at our border. Here's what it said. Straight, very clear. God said, you see the resident alien among you? The foreigner? I love them. I'm feeding them. I'm clothing them. I want you to love them. Yeah, but Jesus, you know, you don't know about all the policies and think about that, what I just said. You don't know about all the policies. You don't understand. It's really complicated. I need to help get you up to, I've already lost him again. Think about it. I'm talking to God. Just straight to my heart with all of my objections, all of my junk and him saying, me and you right here, my word, you going to listen? I hope to share more of what God has been doing in my heart with this as it deals with racial reconciliation and the wounds in our country that are not healed. God's doing a lot. And he is saying, Chad, you have been digitally discipled. Way too much truth coming from anything but this. But you sit with him who I am in private, who I am behind the scenes listening to the Lord's word. And if God's already stern in you and you're getting a little antsy just thinking about those two topics, good, <laughs> good. That's him, that's him. We always say that around here. Like if, if we haven't failed you yet, just give us time. If you like Pleasant Valley, we'll probably offend you at some point, but hopefully Jesus will offend us along the way and not leave us alone is there enough evidence to convict Chad? I sure hope so. I sure hope so that I keep saying yes to him. How can you be sure? Acknowledge him before your friends. Acknowledge him before your family, before your coworkers. And don't be weird about it. Like don't go home at lunch today and say, everyone, I want to acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <laughs> Somebody be like, 
Okay, pass the potatoes. That's weird. But can I tell you that, what does he say? The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say, which kind of makes me think that the Holy Spirit just might be setting up conversations, difficult conversations, difficult circumstances. Remember what we said about the election? It's about God trying to get people into his kingdom, no matter what happens, no matter which side you think is great and which one you hope is in power. It's ultimately about God's major plan. You can put that disclaimer under everything you see happen in the world that God is allowing. It is about the kingdom of God. He is moving. He is working. And so don't be weird about it. He's going to be setting up circumstances for you. But I would say, ask him to give you opportunities. Have you had those opportunities where you knew you were supposed to say something and you didn't? Right here, right here. Absolutely. The Lord's like, you know what you need to say right here? It's like, yeah, punt. I don't want to do that. And no, acknowledging Jesus, I don't mean Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok. Okay, it's cheap. It's cheap. It's so easy. It's so easy and it's so meaningless. Most of the time, it's so meaningless. I'm not saying you can't because a lot of times we hear stories on there that just grip us. And we're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was going on. It's good. That's good. As a tool, I was talking with somebody after the first service. As a tool, it's a great thing. But nothing replaces you having to be committed to somebody, especially somebody you don't like or somebody that isn't quite there yet, who doesn't know Jesus. And by the way, isn't that how this whole thing is supposed to work anyway? where we're supposed to be with the people who don't know him. We're supposed to be with the people who don't like him yet. And we are to be, as Paul said, a living letter in front of them to read. Well, what happens if we hide all the letters and we circle the wagons and we say, we're going to hold out until Jesus comes back because we hate everybody. But we feel that way sometimes, don't we? Jesus says, no, I'll give you what to say. I want you to acknowledge me before men. I will give you, put you in situations. So briefly, because I know I'm a a little long here, I apologize. Um, The unforgivable sin. Lots of controversy over this one, but as I read several different scholars on this, it seemed pretty simple to me. Um, And this is it. A word spoken against the son of man will be forgiven. So let's just use a couple examples from scripture. Peter, did he speak a word against Jesus? Yeah, three times actually (laughs) to be recorded. Denied him, absolutely denied the son of God with his words. Was he forgiven? Yes. How about Paul? Did he speak against the son of man? Uh, Yeah, and killed people who also were following him. Was he forgiven? Yeah. And the question is why? And the spirit of God pursued. It's kind of different because Peter was with Jesus and the Holy Spirit hadn't come yet, but the spirit of Jesus came and knocked Paul off his horse, blinded him, had him taken to this house of this guy named Ananias. Ananias prayed for him. Paul could have gotten up And even though he'd heard Jesus saying, you're persecuting me, you're going to be somebody I've set apart to write most of the Bible in the New Testament, all that stuff. He could have said, no, kill Ananias. I'm not doing it. What is the unpardonable sin? 
Ultimately, bottom line, to reject Jesus Christ. That is the unpardonable sin. If you find yourself standing before the judge one day and he says to you, what did you do with the perfect life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return of Jesus Christ? How did that get applied to your life? And you'd be like, I didn't. You'd be like, that is unforgivable. That's the simple truth. So how does it work with us? Why does he use the, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit? Because it is the Spirit of God who is, hey, hey, hey. And if you know, no, no, mask, no, I'm hiding. I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. I don't care about the poor. I don't care about the, I'm not going to do any of this stuff. I don't want to. Sorry, 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 sorry. The Lord says, okay. Because the truth of the matter is, if you know Christ, you will respond. <laughs> You'll respond. And so persistent rejection of the spirit of God again and again is ultimately unforgivable. Yeah. You'll find yourself without Jesus. So let's acknowledge him. Let's not deny him. If you're willing to speak for Jesus, even in the most difficult circumstances, he will give you what to say. I promise He's really good with words. Okay, he made them up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tough conversations. Thank you, God, that you didn't hold back, uh, that when you said friends, it actually meant it. It meant I'm gonna tell you things that you may not like to hear. Lord, you went to conversations in a minute about hell and destiny of people. You didn't hold back. You didn't wait for the perfect moment where that person might be receptive. You were okay with them actually getting a little upset about it and struggling and some walking away. We see that, Lord. People walked away. God, we thank you that uh, your name, the name of Jesus is the most beautiful name. And God, we're gonna sing here together about your beautiful name. And I just, I pray, Lord, that uh, there would be a, for those maybe who have not said yes, they've not accepted what you've done for them. They've not acknowledged you before men. God, that they would say yes. They would say, I'm tired of living in the dark. And Lord, I also pray for those who maybe have been more vocal about you in the past, uh, maybe are, um, and just as I have felt over the last several months, tangled up, twisted up, distracted by things of the world, um, a little off balance on certain ways of thinking, God, that they would see their hearts aligned with you again today and maybe just would, uh, even in the sweetness of singing together, that them saying what a beautiful name would be them saying, Lord, I love you and I'm sorry for how I have not been a voice for you. I've not spoken for you. I've held back. I've tried not to make waves. I've tried just to keep things calm. Lord, we love you. We bless you. Um, just trust your spirit, Lord, and, and that knocking that you'll do. I pray that we would respond even now. In Christ's name, amen. Why don't we stand and sing together?